realized I had spent much of my life making decisions between good and gooder, bestest and bestest, and suddenly I had to make decisions between horrificer and horrificer. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Life can be pretty brutal. Bills going unpaid, kids gone bad, maybe a marriage in trouble. How about a diagnosis? And when it comes your way, what are you going to do? Best-selling author Margaret Feinberg says, you need to defiantly fight back with joy. Stay close. Here in this worn and weary land, where many a dream has died. Like a tree planted by the water, we never will run dry. So living water flowing through, God we thirst for more of you. Fill our hearts and flood our souls with one desire. Just to know you and to make you know we lift your name on high. Shine like the sun, make darkness run and hide. We know we were made for so much more than Welcome into Life, Love, and Family. Hi, I'm Dr. Tim Clinton, president of the American Association of Christian Counselors. I love this. Listen to this. No matter what your circumstances, you can practice defiant joy. And when you do, you'll embrace a life that's richer and fuller than you've ever known before. A life radiant with joy. Tough to do? Of course. Our special guest today, Margaret Feinberg. Margaret's a popular speaker at conferences such as Catalyst, Thrive, and Extraordinary Women. She was recently named one of the top 30 voices who helped lead the church in the next decade. Her books include The Organic God, The Sacred Echo, Wonderstruck. Her books have sold nearly a million copies and she's received extensive media coverage from CNN, The Washington Post, USA Today, and more. She lives in Morrison, Colorado with her husband Leif and her super pup they named Hershey. Margaret, welcome back to Life, Love, and Family. It is a joy to be back with you, Tim. Uh, Margaret, as we get started, uh, maybe it's the pace, the pressure, the pain of modern day life. I don't know, but it seems like everybody's in a fight. You know the old saying, either you're going into it, you're in it, or you're just coming out of trouble. What do you think? What's going on in our modern day world? I think there's so many factors. I think we're in a time where there are definitely new financial pressures that are taking place. We're in a massive transition in this technological age. Jobs are being eliminated. We're also living in a time when we're very disconnected from our food supply. I think we're seeing a lot of people struggle with illnesses, partly as a result, but also because of the amount of stress and anxiety that takes a heavy toll on our bodies in this fast-paced world. At the same time, I think we're just living in a culture that is pushing us toward more unhealthy behavior rather than leading us to a life that is life-giving and allows us to flourish and to become more healthy. And so I think there's a lot of causes to the, the toll 
that all of us, I think, at times are feeling and, and the difficulties that we're facing. Margo, when I was a boy, I went to youth camp, Kane, Pennsylvania, and uh, I shall never forget this kind of opening Bible study with a small group of young boys in our camp counselor. And the devotional for that morning was out of James chapter 1, and we're talking about kids here for a moment. Here's the opening kind of devo, count it all joy when you fall into trials and tribulations. Margaret, I was sitting there thinking, you know what? Why are we studying this? I don't even want to be a part of that. You hear what I'm saying? And Margaret, I still don't like that passage. You know that? But people uh, say it all the time. I prefer to say, God, uh, keep me from the trouble piece. Let me learn things the other way. I don't want to learn the hard way, God. Yet, life's a fight, Margaret. Those passages take on new meaning for you, especially if you've been in the Valley of Vision. It really does. I think, you know, it's interesting. Throughout the last couple of years, we've been going through a, just a series of various challenges on all fronts. And I feel like I walk among something I call the fellowship of the afflicted. And it was like in my past, I had known pain and I had known loss, but maybe I'd only been waist deep in the waters. And in the last couple of years with a cancer diagnosis, it felt like I just got plunged into the deepest, darkest depths. And there is this thing that is welled up in me, this sensitivity, this awareness. I have one friend who lived with, you know, in chronic pain for more than 10 years, and his wife was talking about, you know, his language has changed. And there's something that happens as we pass through these dark and difficult valleys that we become part of the fellowship of the afflicted. We become a people who understand pain, and even though the pain and the sources of pain and the levels of pain, they're all very, very different. And pain is never meant to be quantified. It's never meant to be measured, even though there's a tendency in our culture to do that. But to recognize that pain does change us, and how we respond to that pain, it really matters. In your new book, Fight Back with Joy, Celebrate More, Regret Less, Stare Down Your Greatest Fears, you get very personal, and you tell of that journey with cancer, breast cancer. And it was a very sobering read for me, but I'll tell you what, God spoke to my heart through it. You titled the book, Fight Back with Joy. Now, I know we're going to talk about your journey here throughout the program, but we often talk, if you're in a fight, you got to have some type of weapon, some way you combat or deal with things. Some people fight with anger. Some people fight with denial. Some people fight without hope. And you talk about joy. And it's like in Christian terms or in modern day Christianity, joy is a word that people have gotten real tired of. It's like, you know, you can at least have joy even in the midst of your pain or what have you. And it's like, blah, 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 blah. I don't know that I want to hear that. But Margaret, what do you mean by joy? I embraced what you unpacked in here. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, and probably about three years ago, I just got in a place on my own spiritual journey where I realized that I didn't have joy in my life and I wanted it, and so I started pursuing it and seeking it out. I started diving in the scriptures and looking at the 400 references to joy and happiness and merriment and delight, and, and what I began to discover is what many of the things I had been taught about joy growing up were either shallow or almost untrue. I mean, I grew up in an environment in the church where I was taught happiness is based on circumstance and joy is not. So don't trust happiness. And yet throughout the scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New, there are Hebrew and Greek words, Asher is one of them, that talks about the sense of being blessed and flourishing. I mean, even some translations of the Beatitudes, you know, use the word happy in place of blessed because there is a sense that we are meant to experience this happiness and this delight. And even 
if happiness is based on circumstances, then who has better reason to be happy than those of us who are drenched in the grace and the mercy of God? And so I started diving into this and realizing my definition of happiness and joy and delight and merriment was far too narrow. And that I needed to recognize that joy is not just something that you grapple in the dark for in the dark circumstances in life and grit your teeth and say, yep, I've got joy even though all life is difficult. No, rather joy is a spectrum of emotions actions, and responses. Sometimes we feel joy, sometimes we don't, but we can still respond and act in joy regardless of what our emotions may be feeling or sensing. Joy is this rich thing that we can choose to act on, to choose to go in even into life's battles as a weapon. And I think this weapon is so powerful and such a better choice than choosing to fight back with anger or cynicism or despair or depression. Joy is something that's going to help move you forward. You know, on the cover of Fight Back with Joy, there's this picture of a red balloon, and I I picked that because even though it's so elementary, that's the image that I have of joy. If if I was standing there with a red helium-filled balloon, you'd look at it, and the first thing you'd realize is that when you hold a red balloon, it lifts you up. It makes you nimble. The second thing that it does is it causes you to look up. Suddenly, you have something in your hand, and you're looking up, and you hopefully look past that red balloon, and you start looking to God, who is the creator and the source of all strength and all hope in all life. But the third thing that the joy does is it draws other people near. I mean, if I was standing there with a red balloon, there's people who naturally, especially kids, who would want to come near and even have the red balloon. And there's something about joy that is so electrifying and attractive, and it just draws people, not just to us, but to the Christ in us. And it is a powerful weapon on the battlefields of life. Margaret, you wrote, it's more than a feeling, it's an action, joy. What do you mean by that? Yeah, there were a whole lot of days in the difficult treatment that I had to endure in which I did not feel any joy. I mean, I'll just be honest. I didn't feel joy. I felt scared. I felt terror. Realized I had spent much of my life making decisions between good and gooder, better and better, bestest and bestest, and suddenly I had to make decisions between horrificer and horrificer. There were so many times that I know that I had to drive back to the hospital and endure a treatment that was more painful and more torturous than the last. And how do you do that? I started to look for just the most practical, humble ways of acting in joy, even when I didn't feel like it. I remember one day we had to go to appointment, and I thought, oh, I don't even know how I'm going to face this. And I thought, you know what? I, I'm just going to pull out a box of cookie dough, and I'm going to bake some cookies, and I end up taking them to the staff. And, and I did it, and, and I don't know what it was about that sense of giving, but giving almost joy that I didn't even have, but somehow that helped make me stronger to go to that appointment. And so the next time we went, I did the same thing, and then we started doing appetizers and chopped up vegetables and dips, and and we're showing up to the hospital and literally with party food, okay? And and what's happening is that the relationship between myself and my husband and the staff is starting to shift because they're seeing us not just as another number or another patient, but as people. You know, we're sitting in exam rooms and munching on fresh raspberries together and enjoying the sweetness of life even in the difficult moments. 
And so joy is not always what you feel, but it is something that you can act on. The expression of acting on it is going to look different for everybody. I mean, for some people in a toxic workplace, that act of joy may be picking up a coffee for that really cantankerous coworker. For others, who maybe it's in a schoolroom or the, you've got a class and the students are just all over, maybe it's you going and doing that little extra for your students, even when you're tired and worn out. But even when we don't feel joy, we can act on it. Margaret, I know early on you took us to a place of knowing that we were created for joy. You started out in the Genesis account and how God looked over everything and said it was good. You took us all the way into the New Testament for a moment, and it was brief, but it was powerful, where you even talked about when Christ was born, the Scriptures echo that he brings good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. But, Margaret, in that, when something is subtracted from your life. And by the way, you wrote this, we rarely choose what is subtracted. Those subtractions come in all kinds of ways in our life. How do you remind yourself like Job did, and the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because I think you, somewhere you have to do some settling with that as you embrace what's being subtracted or what you're being challenged with. Because when there's no hope, you you drop your chin. It's hard to do that red balloon thing where you're looking up because it's hard to look up. It's hard to find that joy from the great joy giver. I agree. It is hard. You know, this isn't my first rodeo with pain or loss. And, you know, I know in even previous shows with you, we've talked about some of the loss of loved ones and being embezzled and many of the difficult things that we have been through. One of the things I learned early on in my writing career, and I'm sure you know this as a radio host, but if you ask the wrong question, you will get the wrong answer. And I think sometimes we ask the wrong question of God. And maybe it's not the wrong question, but maybe our timing is off. Or maybe the question isn't one that is going to move us forward. I mean, I would love to know why, 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 why cancer, why, why, why. But why is only going to kind of swirl me around the drain, and I am not going to move forward in that. And so I think one of the ways that we fight back with joy is by shifting up the questions that we're asking. And maybe instead of asking why, maybe we put that on the back burner and start asking the question, who? Who, God, are you in this? Who are you in this situation? How are you going to reveal yourself and your wonder and your delight and your favor even in this? One of the ways that we fight back with joy is shifting the questions that we ask of God and even of ourselves. Our special guest today, Margaret Feinberg, best-selling author, new work called Fight Back with Joy. More to come. We'll be right back. You know the feeling where you're tired and unmotivated and sometimes you get mad for no reason. And maybe you don't like what it's doing to your family or to your job. That's why the Center for Counseling and Health Resources has been there for people for more than 30 years. They take a whole person care approach that'll look at everything from your nutrition, your vitamin balances, your mind, your spirit. Call 1-888-771-5166 or for help right now visit aplaceofhope.com. Life, Love, and Family. Our special guest today is Margaret Feinberg, best-selling author, brand new book called Fight Back with Joy. Celebrate more, regret less, stare down your greatest fear. Margaret, you wrote that God sometimes keeps nudging us periodically off the road. It seems like it's painful, but he's doing refining work. I read about when you lost your hair as a part of the chemo treatment and how important your hair was to you. 
the one question that I asked my oncologist that he, she had a solid answer to, I said, when will I lose my hair? She looked and she said, day 17. And I thought, oh, oh, couldn't you be more vague? Could we push that out at all? But sure enough, by day 17, instead of my dog shedding on me, I was shedding all over my dog. <laughs> oh, no. And <laughs> I remember going to the um, hair salon and sitting in that chair, and I knew that I needed to have what was left shaved off, but I asked the salon hairstylist, can I just pull out my hair? And and I know that must sound so funny because at that point it it doesn't hurt, and most of it will just come out with the lightest touch. And so I actually started tugging on my hair, and I pulled out hair until it just amassed all over the salon's floor. And finally I said, okay, you can shave now. And it was one of those points when so much was being done to me that this was one of the few moments when I could take back control of my own suffering. It was such a deep pain, um, losing my hair. It goes all the way back to childhood and having short hairing, having a, a guy walk by and say, oh, how are you doing, little boy? And I was just, I was heartbroken at, at that moment. And I realized that this was just a big issue. But that kind of introduced me into this realm of mourning that I had never experienced or done before. And that sense of, of recognizing that mourning and grieving is so essential in life whenever we experience those subtractions or those losses in life. And, and often in the church and in our culture, we don't know how to mourn. I, I didn't know how to mourn. And I found comfort actually in some Jewish mourning practices that are practiced at funerals. They have a, a blouse or a cloth on that they will cut and then tear and then recite a prayer. And so I began doing this in my own life and actually ripping a blouse that I was wearing in the, in the darkness of my own bedroom all, all by myself and, and praying and crying out to God, but looking for healthy ways to let that mourning and that grieving take place. Because mourning and grieving is something, it, it will move us forward in our life and in our relationship with God if, if we allow it, rather than allowing the loss and the pain to leave us stuck. And as we learn to mourn, to let those tears fall, to grieve the losses, often it'll wash away lesser priorities. It'll wash away things that that weren't that important in our life, and it will actually lead to greater joy. Mourning is not the antithesis of joy, but but rather joy and tears commingle in the most beautiful and mysterious way to bring us healing and wholeness. It brings healing. You wrote also about the importance of celebration, that joy begets joy. How do you celebrate when you're dealing with subtraction? Yeah, I think sometimes when we are thrust into a situation in life, whether it is through the death of a loved one or a precious child or those divorce papers that are filed or the foreclosure, the bankruptcy or whatever form that may take, that sometimes it feels like all of the lights go out and it's in that darkness and the the gift of darkness is that it forces us to squint for God and to look for Him in even the most smallest and most minute ways. And each one of those discoveries is worth celebrating. And every single breakthrough, every step forward, there are often things along the way that are just worth celebrating, whether that is, you know, the completion of chemotherapy, whether that is, you know, a successful surgery or your fifth successful surgery, finding those moments when when you peel away to say, you know what, we just finished today and it was a good 
day. And I was worth just pausing long enough to celebrate, to acknowledge. You know, in the book of Nehemiah, it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Nehemiah called to a people who were actually in mourning and called them to celebrate, knowing that in that choosing to act in joy, even when they weren't feeling it, that there was a strength that welled up, a holy strength inside of them. And we have access to that. I know in the midst of this that your dad got diagnosed with uh, cancer also, that you reacted to certain uh, drugs, etc., at different phases of your treatment. Margaret, I mean, how do you deal with God's timing? It's hard. You know, about 100 days after I was diagnosed with cancer, my dad was too. And so here we are. I mean, driving to the hospital together. <laughs> to both, well, I'm getting chemotherapy, he's getting radiation. And we are doing this side by side. And sometimes, you know, the questions of why, the questions of timing, the questions of God, this is too much. I mean, for my mom, she is watching her husband of 46 years and her only daughter battle cancer side by side. And I look and I think, what good can possibly come out of this? If I squint so hard, how will I ever see any light in this darkness? And yet, can I tell you, Tim, that I look back and I heard my dad say, I love you more during that time than I had in my entire life. And sometimes in the midst of these dark and difficult situations, even though it's, it's, it can be hard and, and struggling to, 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 to comprehend or to see, there are these little signs that, that God is still at work. He is still on the move. And sometimes we can't see it in the midst. In the midst, I didn't see it. It wasn't until sometime later that I look back and I go, wait, wait, look at what God did, even in this tremendous pain and loss. In the midst of it, Margaret, you pray a lot when... Things seem hopeless and painful. Your spirit cries out. It's natural. Uh, you talk about praying for a zero. And in praying for a zero, people often feel guilty. It's like, can I even expect that? You know what? I'm not even worthy, God, of that. And you know your prayer goes all over the place. You try to manipulate or pray the right prayer in earnest, thinking somehow it'll change God's heart or what have you. Margaret, how do you pray? Is it wrong to pray for a zero? Meaning zero cancer, zero this, God, anything. Yeah, you know, I think when difficulty of any kind comes, people wonder, how do I pray? How do I pray? And that's a great question to ask someone, but often it can be overwhelming to the person in crisis because their needs are changing around the clock. And I know people so well-meaning would say, how do we pray for you? How do you? And we just didn't know. And one day I just realized, you know what, I know the answer, and the answer is pray for zero. We need you to pray for zero cancer cells, zero complications, zero allergic reactions, you know, and just went down a list, zero sleepless nights, zero nights terrors. And that prayer for zero really, I think, is a powerful prayer for anybody going through crisis. Zero more rejection, zero more hiccups with the lawyers, zero more financial pressure, zero, whatever that zero is. And we serve a great big God who, who we can ask and be specific and say, God, we want and need zero. In our case, I am thrilled to say that when we got those initial test results that we got zero. We actually got those zero cancer cells. But I can also tell you there are a whole lot of other zeros we didn't get. We had complications. We had night terrors. We had sleepless nights. We had tremendous financial pressures. We had so many of those things. And so God doesn't always answer in the ways that we want or expect. 
But I think that it's so important to still keep that phone line open with God, to keep on praying, to keep on calling out to Him. It's that prayer that is one of the ways, again, that we fight back with joy. Because when we pray, we are clinging on to the hope that God will answer. And that whatever darkness or difficulty we are facing, it is not the end. It is not the final. Joy is of the sort also, Margaret, in that if it's in you and you give it away, it's like a double blessing. That's what God's called us to do. Kind of like that soul care verse in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, that the God of all comfort, who comforts us so that we in turn can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves are comforted by God. What happens, Margaret, when joy becomes contagious? It is amazing. It is extraordinary. You know, joy is one of the few things that we can give away when we don't have it. There is this mysterious nature to it that even when you don't feel joy, you can still, you can still give it away. And when we do, it multiplies and it spreads, not just to other people, but I believe it multiplies and spreads even within us. I remember toward the end of chemo treatment, there was one particular doctor's appointment. There was just, just so much more that I could ever bear. And I just, I didn't have any more strength. I was completely run down. And I thought, how do I face this? And I just felt just led, and this may sound kooky, but to go down to the grocery store and I bought a handful of red balloons. And when I went to the therapy center, there was a whole lineup of people about to receive or in the process of receiving various treatments. And I went down the row and I just started handing out red balloons and saying, you know, I've been having a crummy time and my hunch is you have to, you don't want to be here either, but can I give you a red balloon? And some people said yes. Some people said no. One guy said, well, I don't want a balloon, but can I have a hug? You know, there was a little girl there with her grandfather and she was just tickled pink that she got that balloon, but it was in the process of giving away joy that I did not have that, again, gave me that courage and that strength to take the seat in my own chair and receive the treatment. And so sometimes when you are walking into a situation, when you know it is so dark, when you have to go back, nobody ever gives that sermon, right? The one where it says, oh, yeah, yeah, what, what do you do when you have to go back to that difficult, painful, hard place again and again? That even in that place, you can start walking in with joy, fighting back with joy, and giving a joy that you do not have, and watching God multiply it. Hmm. Margaret, in closing here, and we're fighting time terrible, but I'm thinking of those who are listening right now, and their hearts are just devastated for whatever reason. They don't see relief in sight. Scripture says that he doesn't necessarily save us from, but he will save us in. Margaret, talk to us about the great joy giver and how we go forward right now. It's like my last opportunity for someone to speak into my life. What do you say to me in the midst of of this fight? I would say pick up joy as your weapon. Understand that joy is that thing that you can poke holes in the darkness until it bleeds light when you have joy in your hand. Do whatever you have to do to lay hold of joy, to fight for joy, and to fight with joy. And you will start seeing the light break through. So living water flowing through God, we thirst for more of you. Fill our hearts and flood our souls with one desire. Just to know you and to make you known.
So if you've been sucker punched by life, you're facing a mountain you think is impossible, he's in the midst of it. He's the great joy giver. I know it's hard. And I know that when you're hurting and you don't feel like there's much hope, you do drop your chin. He has not abandoned you. His arms are wrapped around you and he'll see you through. Our special guest again today is Margaret Feinberg. Her new book is called Fight Back With Joy, Celebrate More, Regret Less, and Stare Down Your Greatest Fears. If we can be of help to you, our toll-free line, 855-455-3264, or visit us on the web at lifeloveandfamily.net. That website again, lifeloveandfamily.net. We come to you every week at this particular time on this station because it's all about the one who loves you and who will see you through. Make sure you fight back with joy. Life, love, and family.